The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome once again to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and with me as always to take in a WCW world title match later on in our show is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are you, bud? I'm doing really well, thank you, Sai, this week. How's yourself, mate? Good, mate, good. Looking forward to getting into this Nitro with you because, spoiler alert, I bloody enjoyed this show. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, we have championship matches, we have craziness, and we have big time matches, don't we? Oh, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Uh, and that lot going on is given to us very early by our commentary team. Bischoff runs through some of the card for us. And we're going to see Harlem Heat versus Sting and Luger for the Tag Team Championships. We have a parking lot brawl with William Regal taking on Fit Finley or the Bruise, uh, the Belfast Bruiser, as he is known. The world title is on the line as well between Ric Flair and the Giant. And we have another tag match also involving the Steiner Brothers and the tag team of Fire and Ice. However, that stacked lineup and the promise of a world title contest didn't win Nitro the ratings war on this particular Monday. This particular Monday in question being the 29th of April, 1996. Raw received a 2.9 in the ratings. To Nitro's relatively low by recent standards, a 2.1, Danny. Wow, that blew, that blew my mind. Wow. Mm, yeah, I'd have thought that Nitro would have done a little bit better with what was advertised and so on. But there we go. There we go. Uh, as I said, the show begins straight away with some action. We have a tag team title match at the very, very beginning. Harlem Heat, and they are facing off against the champions, who are Sting and Luger, who are incredibly popular with the crowd again. Everyone seems to love Sting and Luger at the moment. But what really hits home to me, thinking about last week's episode of Nitro, and we get it even more so in this week's episode of Nitro, how much we're getting slamboree thrown into conversations. There is so much slamboree talk, left, right, and center. And I think this is bloody great, because slamboree is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, uh, as the timeline dictates. And in previous occasions, when we've been heading into pay-per-views, Danny, you'll remember you and I having conversations about how 
they're not really pushed and we don't know really some of the card and we don't know what's going on other than one or two matches and and then all of a sudden bischoff will go oh yeah this this weekend by the way it's wrestle war or something like that here we're getting slamberry hyped at every single opportunity aren't we we really are and this is a massive improvement you said it perfectly i mean we we banged on about this from the beginning of the show of nacho nights to now it's like we just even till the last paper we, we reviewed which was um uncensored we was just like we don't know half these matches are on the card so this is a massive improvement and we're both happy about this it's almost like they had a sudden brainstorm and thought you know what we want people to buy our pay-per-views perhaps if we start <laughs> promoting them People might actually do that. Hmm. What an interesting wow. concept. Genius idea. Mm, I wonder who yes, came indeed. up with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but something I noticed in this match regarding the Harlem Heat and so on is, and I don't want to be, you know, seem to be digging anybody out for, for one particular contest, but we, we are here as a look back review podcast. So it is the nature of the beast, really. Uh, the difference in quality between the members of Harlem Heat. Stevie Ray looks a little bit off the pace, a little bit clunky, a little bit clumsy at times. Whereas I think Booker T here looks incredible. Yeah, this was a showcase for Booker T in my eyes. I mean, he was definitely putting in the work. I was really impressed with him. But yeah, yeah. I mean, this match all around was brilliant, to be honest. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was very, very fast-paced, considering the size of the guys in the ring. Uh, effectively, height-wise, I think Sting may actually be the shortest guy in this match. Maybe is he taller than Luger, Danny? Um, no, I don't. Th- I think he. You think you're, you've got that dead on because I'm sure Lex Luger is six three, six five, isn't it? In between there somewhere. Hmm. And I think Sting is is maybe six two, six three, something like that. So he's not yeah. a small guy, and he weighs you know two forty, two fifty, two sixty, whatever he may well be. But he is the smallest guy in this match. And yet everyone's throwing around uh, leapfrogs, drop kicks, arm drags, um, all sorts of crazy stuff from Booker T, you mm. know, these high flying leg lariats and so on. Absolutely insane stuff from Booker T. I-, I think he looked like an absolute star here. He really did. Um, going back to um, Uncensored, where he was in that another match involving uh, some of the wrestlers in this, this was a much better improvement. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, we do get a very, I mean, uh, an odd moment again, though, towards the end of this. And we had an issue last week with there being no real clean finishes and, and so on. Here we get one that I, I don't quite understand what's going on. We get a, a powerbomb elbow combination by Harlem Heat on, I believe it was on Luger, where the, the one, I think it's Stevie Ray, powerbombs Luger as Booker T elbow drops him at the same time, if I've got that right. Yeah, and then, I think that's Harlem Hangover, isn't it? Okay, okay. And then Jimmy Hart turns up with a towel and tries to throw it in the ring, but it's caught before it hits the floor, so that means it doesn't count, apparently. And then Jimmy Hart's lobbed into the ring, to which then Sting appears, rolls up Stevie Ray, and gets the victory. This all, as, as good as the match was, this all seemed a bit messy, and I didn't really quite follow what they were trying to achieve, Danny. What, what do you think? The sad thing is, this wasn't the first time they've done this because um, they mentioned they had a very similar finish to this on uh, the last, the previous to this um, Saturday night, where but except Jimmy Hart just threw in the towel when they won. I, um, 
I think throwing in a towel in a wrestling match is one of the most stupidest things I've ever seen because <laughs> they're just blatantly copying Rocky, the Rocky movies. And they're not even copying boxing. They're just copying the Rocky movies. They're hoping to capture that emotion and that, that, um, like that fan support, but yeah, yeah, I, it just makes no sense whatsoever. This is definitely one of the worst finishes I've ever seen in wrestling. It was um, messy, and then, wasn't it? Yeah, and then the roll up as well, just out of nowhere. It just no, nah, I just wasn't a fan of this at all. So, what did nah. you think? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm the same as you, bud. I'm the same as you. I enjoyed the match. I, I, I as I said, I really enjoyed Booker T. I'm a big Luger fan. Sting's looking great. You know, Stevie Ray was there too, I guess. Uh, but the the finish was just just a bit messy for me i didn't quite understand what they're trying to achieve but who knows maybe this is the beginning of something and it will lead to something in the future potentially and we're not maybe we're not supposed to get it yet i don't know let's hope let's just really hope i mean yeah. they've rarely missed with this thing lex Luger's story but yeah i just hope they get better finishes yes yes i agree uh the next match then is an intriguing one for me because we have the steiner brothers two huge guys based very much in the powerhouse i suppose department of professional wrestling very much you know power and suplexes and so on and they're facing the combination of fire and ice which is a guy known by the name of ice train and he is tagging with scott norton First thing I, I noted down here is the size of these four dudes. They are massive, aren't they? Wow, yeah, that, they definitely are. This was a Hoss match um, in every sense of the word. Uh, the first note I wrote down was um, the amazing outfits of Fire and Ice, just in case you didn't know which one was which. They had them <laughs> written all on their singlets. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. I think that was so cool, um, and it was definitely it's just so nineties, isn't it? A team like Fire and Ice, it's like um, just yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, I mean Scott Norton and Ice Train, they're they're as they're as thick front to back as they are wide shoulder to shoulder. They're huge, huge guys, and they almost make the Steiners look small by comparison. And the Steiners are massive giants themselves. It's it's mm. four guys just chucking each other around and slapping the crap out of each other but we also get some incredible athleticism as well ice train busts out and a really high impressive leapfrog at one point that was incredible yeah definitely man and it was just like um, we had all the suplexes that you could want and there was enough suplexes in this match that you wouldn't want to see another for another year because <laughs> um yeah really enjoyable match um and eric bischoff was putting this match over huge on commentary wasn't he yeah, by the, by the signs of how he was talking last week during some of the uh, the Battle Bowl draw and the commentary this week with regards to Fire and Ice, he's got high hopes for these, I, I believe. We we get a suplex by Rick Steiner on Ice Train that's so impressive. It's almost like a deadlift German. It was an mm. unbelievable power. Uh, Scott Steiner, he hits a suplex on Norton, which was incredibly impressive as well. But then Scott Norton catches Scott Steiner. I mean, listen to that sentence. <laughs> Scott Norton catches Scott Steiner as he jumps off the top rope. And then from the position of having him caught, maneuvers him into a press slam and holds him above his head. Holy crap, is that guy strong? I would say, I dare say he's definitely one of the most strongest wrestlers on the roster. I mean, very, very impressive spot that was. Mm, unbelievable power unbelievable and the steiners again though similar to previous matches that we've seen we, we saw last week and potentially the, the the beginning of this episode 
the Steiners kind of win out of nowhere again, don't they? The finish comes from nowhere, where yeah. Rick Steiner hits a Steiner line, as they refer to it as, and gets the three count completely out of the blue. <laughs> I found that odd, but uh, I found it refreshing as well because he, all he did is just whack him and then just pin him very quickly. But I did write down, did Ice Train forget to kick out because the commentary didn't seem really clued up about because Eric Bischoff just counted to two on commentary and um, Scott Norton looked like he was about to run in, but then he stopped himself. So I'm not sure if um, this was the original finish or not. Ah, interesting. I, I didn't pick up on that. I'll, I'll go back and watch again. You know, a very interesting point. Maybe maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but again, uh, I was really impressed with all four guys here. I mean, I'm a big mm. fan of the Steiners anyway, but Fire and Ice, I think they look, they look fantastic. They really do. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, somebody who we see a lot of regardless in recent weeks is Ric Flair, and he is accompanied once again by Woman and Miss Elizabeth. And he goes and meets Mean Gene down on the entranceway to discuss his match later in the evening, defending his world title. And it's the usual stuff from Flair. The ladies say that the giant doesn't measure up to Ric Flair when it comes to being a man. And Flair isn't sweating having to face a seven foot four giant later on and so on. Good stuff from Flair, I think. Uh, good stuff from Woman. Liz a bit wooden again, Danny, potentially. <laughs> Yeah, she definitely could have um, said a few more words. But the biggest thing I found about this interview, and I took a picture of this, we'll put it out on the on the Twitter, is Ric Flair blatantly at one point trying to hide, put his hand over the um, nameplate on the belt to hide much of man's name. <laughs> and ah. um, I think that was the biggest takeaway I got from this. Interesting. Okay. Ah, yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to see that. I didn't pick up on that myself. So look at you, you're so observant this week, and I'm just a blithering idiot missing everything. <laughs> uh we are heading to the car park shortly for our parking lot brawl between the Belfast Bruiser or Fit Finley and Mr. William Regal. But before we do, we have a little video package, don't we? A little a little promote a little promotional vignette, Danny. Yeah, this was, um, I was sitting here watching this. I mean, it's a hot day in London, for, well, in, in all of England. It's really hot today. But I was sat here watching this and I just felt a really cold chill come across my living room. And I was thinking, where's this coming from? And it was coming from the television because we get a vignette saying blood runs cold. And I don't mm. know what this is about, actually. So I'm really excited to find out what this is. You, you don't know who this is? No. Oh, I will not spoil it then. I will not spoil it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was I, thinking I, about I, looking it up, but I was like, no, I'm going to actually see who this is about. Blood runs cold. Who could this yeah. be? Is it a new wrestler or is it a faction or something? Looking forward to it. Well, it says coming to WCW, doesn't it? So it's it's a debut of some description, but we will get there very shortly. No doubt. Uh, out in the car park, we have four cars facing each other with their headlights on because WCW couldn't be asked to make a full circle, I'm assuming. <laughs> and the crowd are sort of penned back by crowd barriers, keeping them away from, from this fight. And, and I mean, this is just... The, 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 this is a wild brawl. It really is. But the difference between this and what we saw a couple of weeks ago between Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys, to me, this is light and day. Because everything these guys do makes sense for their environment and the fight they are having. Whereas mm. the Nasty Boys and Public Enemy, it was almost like it was a lazily 
booked effort just hit me with some stuff and then we'll, we'll get out of here whereas finley and regal work incredibly hard sell everything that's involved and it, it's just an insane fight what did, how did you take this down how did you find this this i have seen before because this was on one of those um best of natural dvds uh from about 10 years ago okay. um i remember yeah that so this amazingly made the cut to what wwe thinks was the best of natural but i really enjoyed this um this is the first time i seen it in fall um and yeah this was really really cool it was a lot different to what i'm used to where you see um wwe's parking lot brawls are completely different uh for one they don't have fans generally in um, the parking lot. And uh, for two, uh, they, they, I think it not being well, so well lit um, added to the drama of this because it, it felt more real than in a WWE one, uh, you know, oh, that's a, that's obviously a fake car and that there's, there's too many lights and too many cameras. This was really, really cool. I think you're right there. It was the atmosphere felt edgy. It felt dark. It felt like mm. a real fight, even though both guys are wearing wrestling gear, which I suppose, you know, <laughs> that they, they could have maybe stuck a pair of jeans on. I don't know. Uh, well, they both had t-shirts on. I mean, Regal was sporting a rather lovely WCW nitro t-shirt. So he's you know doing his bit to promote the brand there. But some of the stuff we see here, I mean, first of all, Finley breaks the glass in a car window, trying to kick Regal which results in him cutting his leg a bit and his leg is bleeding for the rest of the match. Yeah. Uh, Regal gets hold of a brick that Finley, first of all, brings along to get involved and Regal drives Finley's face into the brick. Um, Fit Finley hits Regal with a spare tire at the boot of one of the cars. And I mean, he wallops him with this spare tire and then he, a bumper breaks off one of the cars and he, he well, you know, wallops him with a bumper as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I found that I've never seen a bumper used in in a wrestling match. Well, parking lot brawl. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. A nice little spot there. And I mean, th th I love that they used the entire um, area rather than just one, a few cars here, a few cars there. This was really, really cool. And I liked how Eric Bischoff said that the fans there were there to see the world championship match and they were going to get it let in after. So um, do you know if this was pre-taped or if this was live, sir? I'm not sure. I, I get the feeling that it was live. Mm. But again, yeah, not, I, I can't say felt. for sure. Yeah, this that's how it felt to me. It did feel live, um, especially mm. when we get to the finish of it. Um, it did definitely... And, and you had the one camera um, set up at the at the end. It felt really live to me. So, but hats off to this entire show. I mean, to this entire match. Yes, yes. I mean, we do get a few more clever little spots. We have uh, Finley or, or the Belfast Bruiser strangling Regal with a seatbelt. I enjoyed that. Uh, at one point, they're in the back of a pickup truck fighting, which is quite amusing to me as well. We get a great shot from a, a, an open car door. And the camera is looking across both the front seats and the dashboard to the uh, the other car door window as Regal's face is bumped off it. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Finley breaks a window again. I mean, he, he loves the sound of breaking glass by the sounds of it. Uh, Regal gets backdropped on a car roof, but then he gives, he gives Finley a pile driver on the same car roof and wins the match. And... Finley's bleeding from his legs and his his hands. Regal looks a bit of a mess as well. And Bobby Heenan just screams, "Wait, that's my car!" 
That was brilliant. Uh, 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 excellent ending to uh, to this to the drama. You had Bobby Heenan just selling that this was his car, his rental car. So good, so good. Heenan's an absolute diamond, isn't he? He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that then brings us to our main event for the WCW World Title: the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and he is facing the Giant. The Giant is with Jimmy Hart. The nature boy is with uh, his companions of Elizabeth and woman. And apparently as the entrances are being made, we're told that Ric Flair leaves the macho man plate on the belt purposely so he can taunt Savage with it, which (laughs) I, I thought, okay, that's one way of explaining it away. But then how can you explain Hogan's name being on the belt in a previous title reign of Ric Flair's and Randy Savage's? (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry son. i'm just not buying this at all <laughs> i think that i think that was held up to the uh held up to the camera by the referee as they normally do and i think that that was the very first time eric bischoff noticed that and he just went oh shit we haven't changed the <laughs> nameplate yep i'm going with that theory too <laughs> and they're It'd just scrambling <laughs> yes, scrambling yes. for any excuse there was like oh what can we say what can we say oh that's your man's name is there so yeah yeah this i'm going with your theory 100 mate <laughs> oh, it'll be interesting to see whose name is on the belt next week after that that has been now pointed out so that'd be that'd be something i'm looking to see uh i think danny I mean, we'll get to the finish and whoever wins and so on shortly but i think this match is absolutely perfectly booked mm, i would agree with that i mean they had an absolute cracker about three weeks ago um these t- the giant and rick flair but this yeah this exceeded that even that match and um yeah it was a perfect big man versus medium-sized man match wasn't it yeah it's i, I think it's done absolutely spot on because all the way through the match, basically, the giant very barely sells anything. Mm. He doesn't sell any chops. He doesn't sell any of Flair's punches. Flair is bumping about the place for him. Flair runs to the ropes and hits the giant with a shoulder block, but Flair's the one who goes flying. It makes the giant look, as he should do, like an absolute unbeatable monster. However, yeah, Flair gets the advantage by raking the giant's eyes. I don't care whether you're Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, whatever. If you get your eyes raked, you should sell that. That's one of the things yeah. that every wrestler should always sell. So Flair there is very, very clever in raking the giant's eyes to get a momentary advantage. However, he goes back to punching and chopping, and the giant reverts back to no selling that while still holding his eyes. Very, very clever little touch. Yeah, that is really, really cool. And it's nice to see that because um, we've we've talked about the Giants booking over the last four weeks and it's just, yeah, it's not really been good. But this is um, making up for it. Mm, exactly, exactly. And we have more as well. We have more of the, the same sort of thing. Um, Flair is taking massive bumps. He takes a huge bump off the top rope. He does the usual spot of climbing to the top and getting caught. When will he learn? And the giant launches him from the top rope. He takes a massive bump from there. The giant then uses a vertical suplex. Now, Brad, this guy's seven foot four for crying out loud. So <laughs> Flair is a long way up in the air and takes a huge bump there. But then again, you know, 
the Giants not bothered by anything Flair is doing, the punches, the kicks, anything like that. It's almost like the buzzing of a fly around him. He's, it's, it's more of an irritation than an issue for him. But Flair tries to gain the advantage uh, uh, you know, once again by you, with a low blow. And again, that's something that every, every male wrestler should sell. You know, woman hmm. distracts the referee. So Flair has to, Flair can't get ahead. He, he can't take any advantage here because the giant is this huge monstrous destroyer. So he's raked to the eyes to get an advantage at one point, but the giant has fought back from that here. He uses a low blow to again, take a momentary advantage because the giant should of course sell that. So the giant still looks incredibly strong. Flair still looks like the dirtiest player in the game, cheating and doing anything he can to escape with his championship. I just think it's so brilliantly, cleverly booked, and it's so simple. I'm not saying this is the greatest match of all time or any stretch of the imagination. Don't, 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 please don't think that. But as far as the storytelling goes in this match, I think they got this absolutely spot on. Excellent point, mate. It's like... Um... Uh, as far as it not being the greatest match ever, I, I would go as far as to say it's probably the greatest match we've seen the Giant in in um, this short one of Nitro so far because this was excellent. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll, yeah, okay. I'll take that. It's probably the, the Giant's best item we've seen yet. Yeah, that's mm. a good shake. Uh, from the low blow that I previously mentioned, Ric Flair starts getting a weapon out of, I, I think, his knee pad or his boot. He tucks it back into his trunks when he's finished with it, but I think he gets it out of his knee pad. And whatever this weapon is, we never really make out what it is, whether it's a roll of quarters or brass necks or whatever. And he punches the giant who drops like a sack of crap. The giant sells the, and, and again, it's the, every time the giant has been weakened or every time the giant has been affected by something Flair has done, Flair has had to work outside of the rules to get that advantage. So the giant, again, in the context of a wrestling match, looks like this unbeatable um, an unbreakable monstrous giant individual. The, the giant hits the deck and Flair puts the figure four on him. So my first complaint about this match here is the giant's out cold. He's led on his back. Flair's got the figure four on. Why doesn't the referee count his shoulders down? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I never noticed that until you just pointed that out. Yeah, he should be counting. He should, but he, but he doesn't. That's fine. It, it is what it is. Uh, but th this again is just so brilliantly done. Flair's got the figure four on the giant. The giant's led there flat, almost obviously his legs are tied up, but his arms and the rest of him is basically starfishing on, on, on the mat. And he sits up like the undertaker where he's woken up from being knocked out from whatever weapon Flair's used. He's come around and he sits up like the undertaker and that massive giant hand of his goes around Ric Flair's throat. And it's just the perfect counter for this massive guy in the figure four to do. I thought it was yeah. so well done. Yeah, that was really, really cool because he can definitely reach Rick for his um, neck and then he choke slams him all the way to hell and then mm. just goes for the one to gets the one, two, three, and we have a new world heavyweight champion. And, and I think this is, I, I think the immediate aftermath shall we say of how wrestlers behave once a decision has been given is as big a storytelling tool as the stuff they do in the ring 
Yeah. We've seen we've seen shit from like the likes of Austin Aries and so on when he's lost championships, he thinks he shouldn't have lost, and he's thrown his toys out of the pram and he takes the pin and just gets up and walks off. No sales stuff, and it ruins things. We've seen the whole nonsense from WrestleMania six with Hogan and the Warrior. The Warrior goes over, Hogan doesn't walk away. He is the one who hands Warrior the belt, and he in his own words, tried to make sure all the eyes were still on him as the warrior was celebrating and so on. Here, again, they get it right. The yeah. giant has just won the world title. Flair is out. He has to get dragged out the ring by woman and Liz. He's struggling to get to the back, having lost his championship. Whilst the giant stands there, yes, okay, he's out of breath because he's a big, big fella. But the giant stands there and almost, he's not selling anything. He's got the world title over his shoulder. And he basically cuts a promo with Mean Gene saying, I'm a fighting champion. I will take on anyone out there, Sting, whoever. He's just won the belt and he's already talking about, come on then, bring it on. Who's next? And I, I've, mm. again, I just think this is the best booking we have seen from WCW with regards to this, this phenomenal attraction they have, this seven foot four, 400 pound monstrous giant individual. This is the best booking we have seen from WCW so far when it comes to handling that individual. Definitely agreed, mate. I mean, this uh, there's always been a point made on uh, internet and on the internet and things like that saying the big show was never booked brilliantly in WWE. He was booked uh, much better in WCW. Now I see their point because we've seen him do some horrible things. I mean, the, the Halloween Havoc match, just the, the amount of just nonsense with the Dungeon of Doom, and then he's survived through all of that, and now he's at the top. Yes, exactly. And I, I also you mentioned there the Halloween Havoc match and so on. Obviously, we have had Hogan and the Giant. In, in the course of our podcast, In the I mean, this now is, what, episode 42, I think, Danny? You know, fast approaching a year's worth of content we've put out, I guess. Mm. But in the course of our journey through WCW and Nitro and all the stuff we've been watching since that first episode in September 1995 of Nitro, where we started this this watchback and, and this project, we we've seen we've seen Hogan wrestle monsters, and we've seen Hogan you know beat monsters, which for the early part of Nitro Nights I can understand. Now we're getting into mid '96. I, I don't see it, it's not working anymore. Everyone's tired of Hogan, as we've mentioned on the show numerous times. However, he still is doing the same red and yellow beat the monster shtick, and we've seen him jump up from the choke slam from the giant. We've seen him no sell the giant. I mean, if the giant punches you, the, the guy's fist is the size of your head. If he punches you, you should go down. We've seen Hogan yeah. no sell all this shit for the benefit of Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair takes a lot of crap and, and some of it very, very rightfully. So his conduct out of the ring is very questionable. At least his behavior in certain, uh, shall we say certain environments involving young ladies and so on is, is not acceptable in any way, shape or form. However, when it comes to a wrestling alone standpoint, this to me shows how far superior Ric Flair is to so many other people that we have seen on Nitro Nights and in wrestling in general, because Flair here does everything to make the giant look good. As Flair's title reign is on the way out, he's not interested in putting himself over. He's not interested in r making sure Ric Flair looks good. He's only interested in what's best for the company. And that is what he has been told to do 
and make the giant look good. Hogan would never have wrestled this similar style match. Hogan would never have allowed the giant to dominate the contest in the way he does. Hogan would never have sold the giant's offense in the way he did here. It, it would have took four choke slams to beat Hogan just because here it's one choke slam, one, two, three, and a flag can barely walk. It's just perfectly done by Ric Flair, perfectly done by the giant and everyone else involved. Excellently put, mate. That is so true. It's um, yeah. The the one one and done finish, like one finishing move, just to get pinned. That is something that you will not see today in today's wrestling as well. So it was so refreshing to see that as well. And yeah, yeah, really. I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for the giant. Yeah, well, I think we I think we can figure out what's going to be next for the Giants. Well, first of all, we know what's 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 immediately next because we have Slambury on the horizon, and now we're told by Eric Bischoff that the match between the Giant and Sting will be for the world title at Slambury. So there we go. We've got a world con a world title contest at, at the pay per view, which is fantastic. Uh, however. <sighs> A big issue for me was after all of this great work that Ric Flair and the Giant and WCW put in, Mean Gene gets the microphone and straight away starts mentioning Hogan's name and saying, I bet Hogan's at home watching this. He probably wants the Giant. He doesn't need to bring him up there. He doesn't need to nah. bring him up there. So even in this moment where WCW, it feels like WCW have got it absolutely spot on the money. They've got that. That main event was done perfectly. The giant looks incredible. Flair's now going to go off and do his stuff with Savage, so he's he's safe for a little while. It's not going to affect him. The giant is the the massive, huge reigning and defending champion. He's going to go off and face Sting and whoever else. But they're bringing the attention back to Hogan again in that moment, and that soured it a little bit for me. Yeah, definitely. I can see that as well. It's just like, ah, oh, well, I mean, did we have to bring up his name? <laughs> Can't mm. the giant have one? week where he's not but yeah yeah it's, it's yeah it's not not good no but there we go there we go it is what it is it would not be wcw in this era if it wasn't all about old terry would it but there we go and that basically brings us to the end of this episode of of nitro we go off air with the giant having a shouty promo saying he's a fighting champion he'll take anybody on uh, and we get a few more mentions from bischoff about slambury upcoming but that's kind of it. So I suppose we better give our plus points and our low points, our uh, positives and our negatives, Danny, our woos and our oh brothers, my friend. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. First or second this week, bud? I'll go second this week, mate. Okay, no problem. I will start with my oh brother, and it will be a surprise to absolutely no one because it seems to be my oh brother every single bloody week at the moment. Hulk Hogan. His name being mentioned after that perfect main event, perfectly booked main event, shall we say, between Flair and the Giant, straight away bringing it back round to being about Hulk Hogan. I weren't about that. That was a negative for me. Yeah, I can completely understand, mate. I completely understand. Um, my uh, old brother this week would is actually the Harlem Heat looking stupid in the finish of the tag team title match. It was like, okay. Oh, so Come on, guys! Like, I mean, just just the whole world, the whole the whole finish in general. I mean, them ripping off from Rocky, but yeah, um, <laughs> that would be my old brother, mate. What's your woo? Yeah, uh, my woo. Uh, well, to be fair, 
it was so close to being Flair and the Giant in the main event because it was done brilliantly. However, I've got to give it this week. Just literally that you can put a cigarette paper between the two, but just coming out on top for me, for my woo, is the Steiners versus Fire and Ice. Purely because of the, just, I sat there with my mouth open the whole time going, why look at that? Why look at that? Why look at that? Because the power and the strength these four guys showed. And it's made me want to see more of Fire and Ice. And I always want to see more of the Steiners anyway. But yeah, I mean, a special mention for Flair, the Giant, and Heenan, and Bischoff as well on commentary were, were fantastic throughout the whole episode of Nitro. But yeah, Steiners versus Fire and Ice to me was, was the highlight of the show, I think. Yourself? Brilliant. Um, mine would definitely be the parking lot brawl because um, just how great yeah. it was laid out, um, just the effectiveness of we- of weapons that they used, the glass, the bumper, everything like that. Yeah, this this was perfect. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, so then, in summary, bud. In summary, hit, miss, or middling. Where are you going this week? Definitely hit with this one. Um, it was a, a brilliant um, improvement from last week's finishes because we, we had clean finishes in this match. We had a bit of a wonky finish in the beginning. But um, yeah, yeah, big hit for this. How about yourself, mate? Hit, hit, hit all day long. This is one of the best episodes of Nitro we have seen in a while, I think. This is a real return to form for WCW. So do you remember a little while back and we were giving everything, it seemed like we were giving everything, every episode of Nitro Nights, we were giving a hit for a short period. Yeah. It, everything, yeah. yeah. This feels like a real return to form for, for WCW. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if it's anything to do with a certain orange dude who wears yellow and red not being there. Hmm. Maybe, what, Kevin Sullivan? <laughs> well yeah him too him too i was referencing the great orange racist one mr hogan but there we go there yeah danny more nitro next week my friend but before we do that you need to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you and all the great shows you're involved in online yep so you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on one man's meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on a Back when with the great Ty Peters, and you can hear me here next week where we'll be talking WWE with the great Cy Powell. Indeed, we will. Indeed, we will. You need to be following the network at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook and all your podcast providers and YouTube. Check us a subscribe, check us a follow, all that great stuff, because then you get access to everything the network carries for example nitro nights uh if you enjoy this there's the nxt look back that i do with joshua goodwin very similar format looking at the black and gold era of nxt there uh if, if wrestling is not your thing first of all why have you been listening to us for the last 45 minutes bit odd but if wrestling is not your thing then we have numerous shows covering you know television doctor who quantum leap um back when with scottish danny himself and tyler peters looking at all sorts movies sports anything back when any anything anything back when it's all nostalgia and it's all great stuff there modern day wrestling is also covered in the corner and from the states we have people uh looking at it there stateside rsh the fabulous trio from ohio over that way so much going on with the network make sure you are following us online at sjp world media and following us and subscribed on all your podcast platforms and leave us a review as well because we're worth five stars we're fucking brilliant but most importantly you can follow this show on Twitter and Facebook at Nitro underscore Nights. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny, it feels like, it really feels like 
we're getting to the start of a new era here. Yeah, let's hope they keep it up, mate. <laughs> yeah, and a certain denim-clad, greased-haired individual is just around the corner. Hmm, interesting. I'll see you next week, bud. Take care, mate. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.